you know, on, on 9-11, you know, I was in, in two World Trade Center uh, when, when, that, when that tragedy happened. I was lucky enough to escape the building, but it was definitely a turning point in my career because I instantaneously made this decision that like, you know what, I, I have to do what I love. Welcome to another episode of Our Food Journey, a podcast by Hormel Foods. Not long ago, MasterChef Ron DeSantis spent the day walking through New York's Chinatown with restaurateur Wilson Tang. Tang is one of a new generation of business people bringing energy and innovation to the lower Manhattan food scene. Tang's first career might have led him in another direction entirely. He was working in a financial firm in the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. Like many survivors, those attacks led him to reassess what he wanted to do with his life and he was drawn back to working in his family's restaurant business. With the blessing of his uncle, Tang became the proprietor of the famed No Ma Tea Parlor. No Ma is a Chinatown institution and the first place in Manhattan to serve dim sum. Tang has recently opened several other venues and is innovating ways to introduce the No Ma brand to new audiences. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Wilson Tang. Welcome to Our Food Journey, a Hormel podcast. I'm certified master chef Ron DeSantis, and I am sitting here with restaurateur Wilson Tang from Nam Wa, and there are more than one, so we'll get into that in a moment. Wilson, welcome. Thanks for having me. So the, the food is delicious downstairs. I, I was... I realized that 30 years ago, a friend of mine brought me to this. I called him up. He just called me back and said, this is the place. I, I, I just can't believe that I'm, uh, that I'm sitting here today. So I have to know about this. I think someone said it's a turnip cake. Yes. That is delicious. Yeah. Uh, Texture is right. The, the, everything works on that. I mean, it's just turnips. Yeah, so it's fine grated um, turnips or radish that we use. There's a little bit of flour in it. But I think what gives it the flavor and the texture is the, um, the dried baby shrimps, the uh, mushroom, um, really finely cut. It's the uh, Chinese sausage that's in there. And it's, it's actually a pretty complicated process. You know, we, we steam everything until it's very soft. And uh, we add in all the ingredients. And then after it's steamed through, you know, it goes through like a cooling process where it comes out of a mold and we're able to cut it into to squares. And if you're doing the uh, walked version, uh, we cut that even smaller uh, into cubes and we run that through a fryer. And then just really quick, like a, fla- a flash fry, and then we pull it up and we put it through a wok um, with an exo sauce, which is uh, dried scallops. It's, um, it's got pork bits in it. And it's this lengthy process of, of steam, fried, wok, that really gives it good flavor. It gives it texture, like you said. And uh, it's just a good-looking dish as well. So, how did you how did you end up in the in the food world as you know, working as a chef, a restaurateur? Yeah. So I I um you know growing up as a um, as a son of immigrant parents, the the restaurant industry was definitely somewhere where my parents wanted me far away from. Um, they felt that I needed to go to school, get my degree, and and join the workforce. 
But I think it's just kind of in my DNA of sorts because, you know, my dad has been in the restaurant business uh, forever. Uh, after immigrating to the U.S., that's what immigrants do. You know, you come to a new country and there's there's you don't you don't know the language, and um, it kind of just stuck with me. Like I I see it part of it as cooking and eating. But part of it also is like the hospitality side of it, um, seeing people eating and smiling. It really kind of makes me have that warm, fuzzy feeling. And um, you know, seeing people interact with each other um, at a restaurant table is, you know, these are things that I, at this point in my career, like I, I don't need to be a waiter or like kind of work in the kitchen. But I really do enjoy watching these moments as uh, people eat and enjoy their food, and I, see, I hear them talking and laughing. And these are all um, kind of reasons why I do it. I, I draw a lot of joy in seeing other people um, eat and be happy. You probably had some very happy times at the table growing up. What are some of those? Is there any any memory memories that are, are fun to tell us about? Oh, man, I, I have... So many memories. Um, growing up in Chinatown, um, having dim sum on the weekends was a major event. Uh, every weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, the whole family will come to one of the big box locations and we'll get a number, we wait, and we'll get seated. Sometimes we're sharing a table with another family. Sometimes we have our own table. But I have all these vivid memories of dim sum carts with all these different kinds of delicacies just roaming around the restaurant. And you would kind of carry like the ticket, how they kind of calculated your, your bill. And you would just walk to these people and like, oh, I want this. And, and uh, the aromas, the, the, um, the, the fact that you're eating with your eyes. Um, made it such an enjoyable um, time for mm-hmm. us. And, and typically, like, tables um, for in Chinese culture, like, it's round tables, so, like, it fits more people, and, like, you kind of can see everyone uh, around you. And, and it was just always about, you know, checking in with each other, how's school doing, and, like, what, what are you working on this week? I kind of miss those days, because, like, I'm, I'm older now, and, like, my, my parents are around, but, like, you know, we don't really have time to kind of do that family routine anymore. But um, yeah, t- tons of memories, a um, lot of lot of food moments, um, trying out different uh, cuisines uh, in in Chinatown. Different, uh, you know, as as time went on, like different et- ethnic Chinese foods. Like there's um, Szechuan style. There is. Um, Fujianese style food and all of these different regions of China uh, has their own specialties and that was always an exciting moment to try you know noodles from Xi'an and you know hot pot from 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 another place Taiwanese food and all of that has come like full circle for me so so stay with that's that's actually a great um, conversation let's stay with that for just a moment because uh, you know I mean I it sounds like uh, we're at a point that it's not Chinese food anymore it it's it's going to become Sejuanese. It's going to become other, and, and you know, because it w- it was interesting for me to hear you say, you know, you explored those as well in Chinatown. So, uh, you know, is is that something that that you you're seeing, or is it something you'd like to see? Or where are we with that? 
you know, it's that part is as strong as ever. Um, I think when people think of Chinese food, it, it's very narrow and um, it's typically Cantonese style or is that it, what we typically like me as an American growing up here would it be Cantonese yeah, either pretty can, much right so it'll be either Cantonese because the Cantonese um, so from the people from Canton in China were kind of like the first wave of immigrants to America so a lot of the old school restaurants would be Cantonese based so you know food from the south uh, dim sum is underneath this Cantonese umbrella um, but as time goes on and like as food is really kind of make had, had made this big comeback you know with social media with food network with um, top chef with uh, iron Sh you know all these different shows cooking network and all of these things has brought food up into this pedestal now we can really dive in and get really specific into like different regions of China where you know, people of the north, they like spicier foods, probably because it was colder in the north. And like eating like the spicy food kind of warms the body uh, during cold uh, weather. So it, it's been a really enjoyable um, time for me, especially now where we can really dive into these towns, like even, you know, like the food of Taiwan is, is has made a big comeback, um, and and Taiwanese food and Taiwanese food culture and like street food, that all is so popular now in New York, as well as uh, Shanghainese food and Sichuan, um, Sichuanese uh, food, and even like you know local China like right here um, on Doyer Street, it's um, we're surrounded by. Um, people from the region of Fujian, which is uh, uh, a coastal uh, town, and there's a lot of seafood involved, a lot of noodles involved. So it's, it's an exciting time in Chinatown, and it's, it's, it's an exciting time in uh, Chinese food culture. You know, th this is, for me, what you're telling me is absolutely inspiring as a chef sitting downstairs in your restaurant just now just having you know you telling me some of the story i feel very privileged to to experience these things and the ability to use and and to learn more about what the cultures are and the the nuances and the differences in the different uh regions and towns even yeah and, and you know what we all talk about is just one country right like yeah. one continent and there's just so many more. And uh, even just for Chinese food, it's, you know, we can talk forever for it and we, we still wouldn't be done. So, you know, I heard, I heard you telling a, a story um, before you got into the food business, you were in finance. I, I of course, um, was working for a financial firm at, at the time, right out, right out of college. And, uh, you know, on 9-11, on you know, I was in, in two World Trade Center uh, when when that when that tragedy happened, I was lucky enough to escape the building. I, you know, I, I remember going down, and um, how the elevators work was I was on the seventy fourth floor, oh. and then you can oh, you, you were up there, yeah. So you can you from seventy four is a express elevator that takes you to forty four, and then from forty four it's all local elevators. Mm -hmm. So I took the seventy four down to forty four to change to a local. And at that point, they're like, no, you have to walk. Like, it's, you know, you just walk down the stairs. I'm like walking, 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 and then I'm down to 16. 
And on the PA, like, yeah, it's safe to go back. And people were walking back up. I guess called me like a kid and like just trying to milk the clock at, at that point in my life. You know, I was, you know, early twenties. Whatever, whatever it was, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, like whatever reason. I'm like, I'm just gonna go downstairs and I was I was almost in Chinatown that it hit the second building. Wow. Yeah. And then like by when the when the buildings fell, I was already way like uptown because none of the trains are working. I was living in Queens at the time. And it wasn't until I got home, like, wow, I kinda like Thank God I, yeah. I I didn't go back upstairs. But it was definitely a turning point in my career because I instantaneously made this decision that like, you know what, I, I have to do what I love, you know. And, you know, as much as my parents like me to have a corporate job, you know, work, live the, what they call the American dream. Um, you know, it's it's Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five, and you go to the office and you go about your day, you have your lunch, and um, that just wasn't, you know, satisfying for me. And um, going into the restaurant business, like my parents were super upset about it. And um, the story is, you know, we we put you through all this school, you know, we work so hard as immigrants to to pay, pay your way through uh, high school and, and, and part of college. You know, why, why do you want to go back into the restaurant business? It's such a, a, a tough career. It's such a um, grueling, like long hours, little pay. But I think what my parents um, overlooked is just running a restaurant today is so different from running a restaurant from when my dad was doing it. Um, I'm using, I'm marrying what I know, my experiences with like technology because technology has been a big piece of our business. Um, and the fact that, you know, our, our store has been around for a long time, there's like a lot of legacy and history about it. And, you know, when we, when, when I decided to take over Namwa, I just saw this chance that I can keep old New York old New York and um, you know with that and just just a little bit of social media and that was when like Facebook was just starting up and I remember you know I was like I'm going to document this process of uh, reviving this old parlor and um, someone reached out uh, similar to your story like you know the the, the lady Gretchen um, reached out to me said I was at this restaurant when I was eight years old. And it is amazing that you are second generation and trying to bring it back to life. And lucky enough, she was an editor at a newspaper, um, daily, the Daily News actually here in New York. And she was like, hey, when you get this up and running, we, we need to do a story about about the, the, the re reopening of the tea parlor and lo and behold you know I'm in the Sunday Daily News um, you know with my hands crossed and like posing proud and there's that picture of me in the in the middle of this you know people still read newspapers you know like it's boom it's like my picture in the Daily News and that just set off like a, a, a chain of News and just luck and like it, it just all kind of worked out where, 
uh, it just brought the people back in masses because everyone has a story about New York. Everyone at some point, oh, I lived in New York. I went to law school. Oh, my dad um, had a business. You know, we, we just, we lived in, New we were native New Yorkers, but we moved down to Florida, but we went to, to Tea Parlor like religiously. And, and then I walk in today and said, I was here yeah, 30 yeah. years so, ago. So it's like, it's like deja vu, right, for a lot of people. And that really, that kickoff was really um, what brought the tea parlor alive again. And it was the longevity of it. It's God bless my uncle, who is still alive and kicking today, who did not want to change a thing. Old school, like, hey, you know, his saying was, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And that's why we have an intact, um, you know, a restaurant, iconic restaurant that goes back to the 20s and has the look and feel of a movie shoot. Because when you walk in, you're, you're instantly transformed to 1950s diner. And um, it is on the same level of icon as like a cat's delicatessen in the Lower East Side or a Russ and Daughters um, in the Lower East Side as well. So it's those are the three places that are iconic to me in, in Lower Manhattan. That's ex- that is such a great, the great story to hear. Um, I'm going to kind of switch a little bit, put on your, your um, corporate hat, yeah. uh, big business hat, uh, because you know, big food. Um, Hormel's big food, and, and I've been working with Hormel for a bunch of projects for probably more than 10 years now, and I never thought of him as big food. Just recently, we started to use the word big food. I always thought of him as just good food, big mm-hmm. company, good food. Just they knew they made really good things, and, and uh, they had a lot of uh, great values that matched mine. Um, so, you know, these days... Can big food be good food? Um, what message do you give to big food as they're as they're finding their way through social media and word of mouth and all of those? Well, I, I think um, I think transparency is key. I, I look at canned food um, just in like the the history of it, like you know it being a staple for the armed forces, right? Like all of that stuff is quite vital to. Our, our country and our, our society and it was great for a while because there's no you know not much innovation going in, in, in the food space um, but then as innovation started it turned a little negative and I think now it's it's making a comeback uh, canned foods because canned foods can actually be good food and you know just with our recipe testing with with the things that we do here, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's still canned. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. You know, we're in such a fast-paced world, and um, convenience is key. And uh, I think we, we we proved that we can get big flavors out of um, food that came came in a can. And I'm a big um, supporter of it. I've I've used it all my life, honestly, like, you know, even like the, the, the beef stew that we made and like the, uh, the chicken, uh, the ch- chicken dish that we made, you know, all of that stuff, um, brings me back to my childhood and I'm happy to see that it has a place, uh, now in, um, as, as, as a category. Mm-hmm. That's great. So I, I'm going to, uh, 
ask you kind of a, some of these kinds of questions that uh, for um, young chefs, young entrepreneurs, um, what do you tell them? Well, I, I, I think with media, um, it has brought cooking and chef onto almost a pedestal. Like it's, oh, you're a chef? Oh, awesome. Oh, you cook? Great. Um, but I, I, I think my advice or my kind of statement is you really need to do it for the passion of it. Um, you really need to put in your time uh, into learning the techniques, into kind of figuring out how a kitchen works. As easy as it sounds, oh, you cook food. It's so intricate how you store things, um, how to keep food safe, how to uh, properly uh, keep a kitchen clean. Um, you have to have a lot of patience and you need to really put in the time. Um, it's, it's a career that is where you often put other people first. So you're always, you're in the service industry, you're serving your customers, right? And it, it's, it's really a selfless kind of um, uh, career. And, you know, we all know like cooking, like the pay is not great. And it's really got to be passion based and you really need to want to honestly like put in your time and to learn the technique, whichever cuisine you go into, mm -hmm. learn the cuisine and be patient and, and wait for your opportunity to move up. You know, I, I, I remember like I, I, I don't spend too much time in the kitchen, but like even like one of the stations is making like a rice noodle out of um, broken down rice, broken wa water rice, we call it. Uh, even that little technique of like ladling the stuff onto like a, a handkerchief and kind of spreading out this uh, rice water to let it steam into a noodle. I mean, it takes like months of training just to like perfect that one technique out of dozens of techniques. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely not a career for a young chefs to like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a chef. You know, you got to be a, a cook first and then hopefully if you put in the time you can be a, you can be a chef you gotta get then, the bug yeah yeah you have yeah. to get bitten by the bug and and it can be it can be a tremendous tremendous um lifestyle yeah because right? i really think it becomes lifestyle wilson this was this, this was really a lot of fun talking to you i i enjoyed uh i enjoyed listening and your insights was actually fantastic thanks for having me you're very welcome. It was our pleasure to have you. This is Our Food Journey podcast by Hormel Foods. For more information, hormelfoods.com. This is Certified Master Chef Ron DeSantis. Until next time.